Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is supported this week by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings of Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy is a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, including the one in Amarillo, which is owned by the Hawkins family. Almost everything they sell is American-made and is a lot more than just recliners. Lazy Boy's President's Day sale is happening right now with amazing savings, but it ends soon. So hurry in to Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sansi. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to iPal Physical Therapy and Wellness online at iPalPT.com. Learn more and subscribe to Brick and Elm at BrickandElm.com. Today's guest is John Forbes. John is a longtime educator who moved to Amarillo several years ago after a career spent in teaching and administration. So here in this area, he's served as an assistant principal at Canyon Junior High and a principal at Arden Road Elementary, and now he's moved into administration for Canyon ISD. His job right now involves marketing and communications, and if you're wondering why a school district needs to market itself, well, that's one of the things we talk about, along with fostering and adoption, the new West Plains High School, and why John has become such a big fan of this area. So here's John Forbes. John Forbes, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm honored to have you. I'm glad uh, to hear a little bit more about you. Uh, and so I want to start the same way I start with all my guests, and that's just to ask why you're here. How did you end up in Emerald Canyon area in the first place? Sure. Yeah. So I'll talk a little, uh, my background and growing up, uh, I'm not from Emerald Canyon. Uh, my, however, my, my grandparents, uh, were in Childress. Okay. And, uh, so my, my mom was an only child. So we got to spend a lot of time uh, with my grandparents and Childress. And so we, they would take us out to Amarillo. My, my grandfather was a, uh, was a district judge. And when he retired, he would come fill in in Amarillo, Abilene, uh, as a judge from Childress, from though. Childress. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as a kid, we would tag along. He would, he would come over to Amarillo either for a work trip or just to visit and we'd do Wonderland. We would did the big Texan and we did mm-hmm. some of those things in Amarillo. Really neat being back in the area because I've, I've been able to run into a lot of people that knew my grandfather. Okay. He was actually the, the, the town Santa Claus oh, and wow. would, uh, would hand make toys. And so when people would come see Santa and Childress, they would leave with a car or something like that. And so I've, I've run into people that are from Childress and they say, Oh yeah, I still have my car. I gave it to my, gave it to my kids. But then also in the legal community, if I meet somebody that's you know, in the legal community here, they say, oh, yeah, I remember John Forbes. He was that was he was very influential in my life and I always get some kind of really neat story about about my grandfather. So I don't have a direct tie to Emerald Canyon, but it's been fun to be here yeah. and just to kind of reconnect with some of those uh, somebody that was that was really near and dear to me. Children's is one of those interesting areas because it's it's close enough to Amarillo that it almost feels like, uh-huh. you know, it could be any other town in the Panhandle. Exactly. Perryton or Dowhart, but it's not. It's just like on the edge of being in the panhandle. Yeah. And so and, yeah, I, I'm always curious, you know, do do people in Childress look at Amarillo the same way Dowhart might or Borger Pampa might? You know, that's a good question. Because they could go to Wichita Falls yeah. or, you know, Abilene, places like that. I would say as if when we went to visit, if we were going to go into my, my grandma loved the Olive Garden, her favorite restaurant. Yeah. We're coming to Amarillo. Okay. You know, if we're going to go do something fun... We're going to come to Amarillo, go to Wonderland. So how did you end up here? 
yeah, so I, I grew up in Abilene, went down to Texas A&M, and, and uh, uh, when I was in Abilene, I had an opportunity to work a uh, volunteer doing junior high Bible study. And as a, as a high school kid, I went, man, this, I love this. And I think this is what I want to be my career is somehow working with kids. Okay. And so I went down to Texas A&M, uh, was an education major, uh, wanted to be a, a health teacher. And, uh, but like you wanted to be a teacher, a health teacher. Yeah. Cause I think the perspective is that most health teachers are like, Let's give the coach something that, to do. Let's get that the was exactly coach. it. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So that was exactly it. I wanted to be a health teacher okay. uh, and, and coaching, I would be up for coaching. That would be fun, but that was not really my main avenue. I wanted to, to work with kids and have, you know, teach kids how to, how to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, and that's a valuable yeah. class for kids. It's not Love something it. that you should just shove off to whoever sure. will take it. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So I, so I left A&M, uh, I had an opportunity to go student teach in Louisville ISD in the Metroplex okay. and very quickly ran into, yeah, we don't really hire just health teachers. So let's look at something. Those positions are filled S- by all of our coaches. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I ended up getting a, uh, becoming a special education teacher. Okay. And so, uh, I got hired on in Louisville at Louisville high school's ninth grade campus and, uh, had just an amazing opportunity, uh, life changing for me being in Louisville. Uh, so I'll tell you I, that not that particular ninth grade campus, uh, the year before I got there, Texas monthly had named it the number one public school in the state. Hmm. And it was, it, it was amazing. And, uh, the, the principal at the time was a, a gentleman named Andy Plunkett, uh, who to this day I continue to look back on and I'm still learning leadership lessons from him. He was just an amazing guy. Uh, that campus was very diverse. You had pretty equally split Hispanic, African-American, Caucasian. There was, it was one of the largest Burmese refugee populations in the nation. Okay. And you had kids living in half million dollar homes, kids living in hotel rooms. Right. And, and, and it was just, it was incredible as a teacher to be able to sit in a classroom and see that kind of diversity and see kids interacting and friends. And, and I'm looking at, I mean, I can very, very vividly remember sitting in the classroom looking at kids going, okay, I, I know your life situation and I know yours and, and y'all are best friends. Yeah. You know, I went in as an educator thinking, okay, I'm going to come in and make a difference and educate and, and, you know, make a difference in kids' lives. And it sounds so cliche, but it's honestly the truth. I felt like I was the student. Mm-hmm. I was the one that, that was changed by, seeing how when you really provide an incredible education and a great opportunity and a great culture and great leadership like Andy Plunkett, it, kids flourish. And and that's what we saw in Louisville is it didn't matter background or, or, or anything like that. Kids flourished out of just out of those those principles. And and so, I, I mean, I, I felt like I walked away just really deeply impacted in such a positive way with my time in Louisville. While I was in Louisville, I met my wife. We had been friends at a, at a church there in the Flower Mound area. Right as right as we started dating, she got uh, she had had been wanting to go to the mission field, and mm-hmm. she got uh, got a call that, that said, "Yeah, we're you know you're going to be able to go to Guatemala and spend a year in Guatemala uh, working at a church here." So we 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 dated long distance. Uh, so she w- was working at a church in Guatemala City while I was in Louisville. But as a teacher, I had the long breaks. I had the Thanksgivings, right. the Christmases, spring breaks. So I'd, I would fly down to Guatemala. Okay. And, and that was an incredible experience. We, we, just an amazing country. But while I was down there, we uh, proposed and we, we got engaged. So we planned a wedding over Skype. Uh, this was pre-FaceTime and, yeah. and all that. So we, uh, she came back to the States and we got married a month later. We loved, our, we loved Louisville. My wife is from 
uh, Borger. Uh, okay. Uh, so she grew up in Borger. Her dad was the mayor in Borger for a long, long time and loved going to visit Borger, but that was never really on our radar to to move to. We, we were loving the Metroplex um, and we got a call randomly from a close friend of ours and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave the Dallas area and go back to Bryan where I grew up and I'm going to plant a church there. Would y'all, would you and your wife want to come? I was excited about the opportunity to maybe go back to Bryan College Station. Yeah. I loved my time at A&M. Uh, and when I told my wife, she said, absolutely not. There's no, there's no, I'm, there's no way I'm moving farther from family. She said, okay, here, there's a, here's a list of things that we'll, you know, we'll pray about these things right here. And if these, if these things happen, then I'll consider moving down to Bryan College Station. And sure enough, every single one of them happened, even down to the penny of, of, you know, the salary of what we're praying for hmm. and, be able, and that kind of thing. So we moved down to, uh, Brian in 2013, and we had a, uh, or sorry, 2012, we had an eight-month-old at the time. Uh, so we moved down to Bryan, and I was a, a, a principal of a charter school in Bryan. Uh, the school was, uh, it was designed for kids that were in, like, government housing and, and were in the, the public schools but were, but were struggling and needed just okay. some additional support, some yeah. additional care. And so the concept of the charter was is it partnered with uh, a local ministry or a local church uh, we would rent the facility, and then it provided a very small environment, small classrooms for kids that were that were struggling. When I started, we had um, only one out of ten kids that came into the school could actually read on wow. their grade level. And you think about the significance of that of 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 a kid in second, third, fourth, fifth grade that can't read the grade level material what's in front of them. Well, I was able to hire just an incredible group of people, just amazing educators that once again, I still look back on and I'm still learning, learning lessons from. But in, in two years there, when, you know, when I left, uh, over 95% of the kids were reading on, on or above their grade level. Wow. So kind of shifting back to personal life. Uh, so we, we moved to, to Brian with, uh, with, a, with an eight, nine month old. We had felt a strong calling uh, while we were dating to uh, uh, be foster parents and be involved hmm. in the foster and adoption community. While we were in Bryan, uh, one of my teacher's aides uh, came in one day, and, and this is a whole other story that's just incredible, but, but she came in and she said, hey, I've got a friend who's, who's uh, you know, she has, she's a single mom, she has four kids, and she's considering, she's, she's expecting her fifth, um, and she's considering you know, adoption for her fifth. Would you want to meet her? We thought the adoption process was going to take us about a year. Uh, we we ended up meeting meeting the mom maybe a couple nights later, and uh, a week later, our our now adopted daughter was born. Wow! And so uh, very fast turnaround. So yeah. we thought a year was going to be the adoption process. It was really only a week, and uh, that's not a lot of time to prepare. Was, not a lot of time, and uh, she was born ten weeks early. And wow, so okay. uh, um, so we uh, all of a sudden within a year of Brian we had. You know, now a year and a half old, and then a, a ten week premature right. baby. So, so, but we had the opportunity to adopt our our second uh, our second child, and and uh, just an incredible process. And uh, that fall, um, we my my oldest turned two. Uh, our 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 second finally finally broke six pounds. Okay, and we we uh, usually when you when you adopt, you're, you're there, there's like a six month process that you go to before you can go to the judge and right and get full custody. And be full custody, yeah. And uh, so our our daughter turned two. The judge declares officially she's a part of our family. She breaks six pounds, and then we find out we're pregnant. <laughs> it's like gosh, surprise! Had no idea that was coming. 
So all of a sudden we were about to have three kids under the age of three. Yeah. And uh, at that time, my, uh, my in-laws moved from Border to Amarillo. Okay. We got to talking and thought, okay, let's go check out Amarillo. To have some family support in town would, be real, would just be incredible. Like I said, I, I had visited Amarillo as a kid here or there, didn't remember a whole lot about it. And then, you know, drove, drove through I-40 on the way to the mountains and things like that, but never really experienced Amarillo. And so we came up and visited over spring break and I just instantly fell in love. Hmm. I mean, once we got, we, we got into downtown Amarillo and we went into Canyon, drove down Sancy Road and to see how much opportunity and how much growth yeah. and really what was going on. And what year was that? That would have been 2000, 2015. Okay. Yeah. So we came and visited 2015. Uh, and it's amazing even since oh, to I, see I was going to say, yeah, there's been so much change since then. Oh, absolutely. What was so appealing to me was when we were in the Metroplex, I mean, there's so many things going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, all the, the sports teams and events and concerts, there's just so much. But what I've quickly found when, I, when living there, you know, you're 45 minutes, an hour drive from anything. And yeah. so really what happens when you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is, yeah, you've got those opportunities to go do those things, but really your life is what's within a 10-mile bubble exactly. around where you live, right? Loved it there, but as I came to Amarillo to see, okay, gosh, within a 10 to 15-mile radius, look at what all you have. Look how there's there's some of those things of, of a big city. You go to downtown Amarillo and you see the restaurants and the sod poodles, and, and then you go down to, to, to Canyon, you've got this really neat square, the, down, you know, yeah. the Canyon Square yeah. with all this, this life and, and things that are coming in. And to see all that's within within a 10-minute 10, 10 drive, I mean, every, there's so many opportunities here, but that are accessible. So we loved it. So we uh, visited in spring break, and we uh, we moved up here that summer. Okay. Had an opportunity to become uh, the assistant principal at Canyon Junior High. And so we were living in Amarillo, southwest Amarillo. I was driving down to Canyon, so I kind of got that best of both worlds. I got to, okay. uh, you know, experience all the things that's happened in Amarillo, where all the, the growth was coming. Uh, but then being down in Canyon, and I will never forget, first day on the job, uh, we had a leadership retreat down in Paladura Canyon. And we went to Texas as a kid, but I don't remember a whole lot about Paladura Canyon. And I will never forget driving into Paladura Canyon, and you just, it's like the world just kind of drops off. Right. And just being blown away. Like, I cannot believe something like this is just right here. And uh, one of my first days actually on the campus uh, got to really experience the the hospitality of of small town Canyon and uh, the staff who had never met me through a diaper shower. They they heard we were gonna have three kids under three. Yeah. There's a diaper shower, and we had diapers for an entire year. I mean, that, when you think about it for three kids, that's a lot of diapers. That's a lot. Of t- that was that that small town hospitality. We don't know you, but we're gonna take care of you. And then to see all the opportunities that are just right here within ten minutes. I mean, I just instantly fell in love with with this area. Tell me how you know being at Canyon junior high or the Canyon mm-hmm. School District. How did it compare to some of the other places that you'd been involved in education? Yeah, so great question. Um, so started my career in large district, Louisville right. ISD, five high schools, massive district. And th- those high schools, those are like 6A, right? Six, Yeah, uh, most of them 6A. Okay. There are a couple, uh, you know, 5A in there. But yeah, large, large schools. I mean, that was that was the whole thing with the, the freshman campus that I was right. at. They just couldn't just, fit all the kids in the high school, so they built a building. Just and those freshman, freshman campuses are probably bigger than some of the high schools. Oh, yeah, around a thousand here, kids. So. Yeah, yeah a thousand kids in the, in the freshman campus. So I got to be in big district, big city, moved down to Bryan, little bitty really charter district, 90 kids, 100 kids. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like Canyon ISD was that happy medium okay. of that, you know, it has the opportunities of a large district, but still the, the small district feel of, I know 
I know the people I work with. I know the people at the other campuses. You've got Canyon, the small town Canyon. Uh, but something I, I think that people are starting to learn and, and, and not everyone really knows is how much of Amarillo is in Canyon ISD. Exactly, yeah. Probably the easiest way to look at it is Hillside. If you looked at Hillside and went straight across Hillside, anything south of Hillside is Canyon ISD. Uh, it may be a little confusing, but if you were to start at Hillside Church on Sauncy mm-hmm. and drive north until you got to Coles, so almost I-40, everything west of Sauncy is Canyon ISD. Right. So, there, I mean, there's a huge portion of Amarillo that's in Canyon ISD. So, again, it's that it was that best of both worlds, I felt like. The small-town canyon, opportunities and growth in Amarillo, all packaged in one district. And I just, I loved it, that very happy medium. Right, because at this yeah. point, AISD is pretty landlocked. Sure. Like, uh-huh. any of the growth in Amarillo, like you said, even immediately west of Sauncy, mm-hmm. um, is going to be put into Canyon ISD. And so, right. that school district is in massive growth right, right. now, whereas uh-huh. AISD will probably stay relatively the same sure. unless something changes, unless sure. we start building high-rise apartments or right, something like exactly. that. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Really so I, yeah. I know that you're not in a principal you know, position right now. Right. You're yeah. not at, at Canyon Junior High. So tell me how your career with Canyon ISD has progressed. Sure, yeah. Time. So I, I got to spend two years in Canyon Junior High as assistant principal, and then uh had the opportunity to become the principal of Arden Road Elementary. Okay. Um, so again, South Amarillo. Which again, yeah, is in Amarillo. Yeah. But. So love that experience. Got to be at the secondary level in Canyon, elementary level in Amarillo, and and just to see the, the those two sides of the district and loved it. Uh, I was there for two years. And, and and again, as I look back on my experience in education, what, what I loved about it is the people. And, you know, and when you look at a public educator, if you were to ask them, hey, what why did you want to become a, a, a school teacher or mm-hmm. in education? They're, they're typically, they're going to say, I felt called to it. There's an aspect to it of like, the, I feel very purposeful in what I'm doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and anytime you're around people like that, that have gone, Hey, I'm going to, this is what I want to pursue. And I want to provide an op- awesome opportunity for kids. You're just surrounded by good people. There was a, a, a position came open um, at our district office in human resources. And it was predominantly going out and, and recruiting and, and hiring and, and, uh, you know, building connections with the universities. And I mean, that recruiting aspect was a huge piece of it. And I thought, wow, I mean, that's, I love what I'm doing here on the campus and what I get to do day to day with kids and face to face with, with parents and teachers. But what an amazing opportunity to get to go work for a district to go find those people. Okay. And yeah. How, how can I, how can we go get those people that are in the classroom with, you know, 20, 25 kids at a time making an impact you know, I feel like that was just a significant opportunity to get to go and, and do that for, for the district. Immediately jumped into uh, to HR. Really, one of the primary pieces of that job was recruiting. That was not my background. I didn't have a background mm-hmm. in HR. I was an educator. And so... Uh, well, I you're just, not working with kids anymore. Not working with kids anymore. Yeah. And and, and I definitely missed that, have, have missed that. Missed the, it, it sounds... People will laugh when I say this, but it's the truth. I, I miss car drop-off line. I miss opening okay. the door, seeing the parent. Well, no I'm, parents miss that, but it, as long as the uh, the teachers and the administration oh, yeah. miss that. Exactly, that's, that's yeah, great. yeah. You know, I miss that. I miss being in lunches. I miss going to kindergarten lunch and opening juice boxes and, mm-hmm. and talking with kids. So I, I really miss that aspect of it. But uh, but again, I feel like it, what, a, what a significant opportunity to get to impact an entire district, an entire community by bringing in the kind of people that, that we feel are going to make a difference with kids, but it was new to me. So I, I felt like I got to jump in and learn and, and be a learner. And so uh, there were so many things that came together at the same time. 
that that led to me where I'm right now. So I'm I'm a big college football fan. Mm-hmm. I went to AM, loved to follow the Aggie football and uh, and I was a recruiting junkie. I mean, I loved to to see who AM was going and who's the next player and and I saw that that these universities are doing the, you know, we're using social media presence to really promote and recruit and and celebrate what they're doing. I thought, well, why can't we do that? You know, so I said, well, let's how how can we uh, develop a presence on social media in HR, and how can we maybe uh, recruit teachers in by how we do that? And you know, something that I that I stole from uh, you know college football was the, yeah. the signing day concept. Okay. So when somebody comes in and they they sign their contract for Canyon ISD, we put out this fun social media video celebrating, "Hey, welcome to Canyon," and, and just wanted to make a really fun experience. But with that, I, when, something that I learned in education is really what makes a, an organization successful is not do we have enough good ideas. What really is going to make an impact is do we have impactful ideas done in an impactful way. And so I wanted to 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 jump in and see how we could utilize social media, but mm-hmm. I wanted it to not be a good idea. I wanted to really I want to do this and make sure that we're doing this impactfully and to really know what we're doing and do this very purposefully. So I uh, I found on uh, iTunes U uh, uh, social media strategy. Uh, course uh, from Ohio State University, mm-hmm. and very quickly they start talking about how okay your social media has got to has to tie into your branding strategy, your marketing strategy, and I'm going I'm a public educator I don't know I've heard that but I don't know what yeah. they're talking well, about. Public schools don't typically have to brand themselves, you yeah, know, because whoever lives in the district they're going to go to that school. Right? Exactly, yeah, exactly right. And so that's so I'm I'm listening to all these concepts. I'm like I don't know I don't think I really know what that means. Um, and, and right about the same time, a close friend of mine was going through the enterprise center and I was watching what, how her business was developing through the enterprise center. I said, Hey, can I call somebody at the enterprise center and just, cause I'm learning all these things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they really mean. And, you know, m- maybe somebody could help me. And she said, yeah, you should call Kyla Fry. And so I called Kyla Fry, come to find out she's yeah. a Canyon ISD grad. I went to Randall high school, former guest on this podcast, former guest on the podcast. Yeah. And so I call her and I'm, and I'm like, Hey, can you help me out? I don't really, I don't know if I've, here's what I'm doing. Can you give me some direction? And I mean, you just received a tremendous, a lot of support and help from the enterprise center. And so I just started, I would talk with Kyla or Coco Ducksworth or podcasts and YouTube and, you know, uh, library books and just trying to learn what branding and marketing was because I feel like that's what we were doing is we were uh, trying to market right. Canaan ISD to potential hires. Yeah. Not to students, but to the teachers that you want Exactly. Choose this district over any number of places. Yeah, exactly. Go. And it, because as I started finding, like Emerald ISD is a is a fantastic district, and we work very closely with ASD, and I'm always very impressed with what they're doing. Uh, same thing with Hereford. Same thing with River Road. I mean, there's just good schools in this area, and so I just wanted to make sure that hey, there's good options. Hey, this is the Canyon. This is what we have to offer. This is our yeah. brand. This is our position. So, Were you reaching out to people? Outside this area, I think a lot of people assume, well, you know, you grow up in Canyon, you want to be a teacher, you end up in Canyon ISD. Sure. But like you're you're going to universities and you're talking to education students and saying, hey, you might be from the Metroplex area, yeah. but this is where you need to, to pursue a, yeah, a, a little, job. Yeah, a little bit of everything, you know. So we, uh, and again, I want to make sure we were doing it, what we were doing was impactful. So uh, I didn't want to recruit in a way of, I think this will be effective, but right. how do I know is effective? Right. So we started just researching and who are we hiring? Um, and there is a predominant piece of our alumni that that we're hiring. People that graduated from Canyon and Randall uh, were coming back to work for us. Uh, but then we also started seeing the trends of, and it, 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 I had kind of an aha moment studying the uh, Emerald EDC 
and and looking at it and and uh, a conversation with uh, uh, with one of the uh, marketing people at Emerald ADC mm-hmm. of there's a there's a tight correlation of hey if we're we're trying to get some you know get people to move into the area they could have a spouse or somebody that's wanting to that's that's an educator right so how do we work closely with our local businesses of mutually working together to bring in people to the area uh, you know hey we want if we're bringing somebody into the area we want to give them information about the schools or positions in the schools so uh but yeah then also at the universities you know we may have somebody not from the area hey let's make sure we're communicating well there so there were so many things that that started coming together there at the same time what i started noticing uh so i have young kids my oldest is 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 nine so i'm in that kind of the elementary age and you're starting to see less of i bought my house here so i go to this school okay you're starting to see a little bit more. Yeah, I bought my house here, so I'm, I'm probably going to go to the school, but I also work over here. Right. And so, you know, the Canyon off, you know, we, there's a transfer process. And real estate, there's a transfer process. I saw that a lot at Arden Road. We had transfers. And so... And it's a little more flexible than a lot of yeah. places, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it, some places you, you try to transfer as like a last minute thing. I got to get my kid out of here. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. And really, a lot of that happens sure. here in this area. All to say, you started seeing, and then as you start seeing charters and in pri- private schools that are popping up, there's just more options. You're seeing less of, this is where I live, so th- this is the school I go to. You're right. seeing a little bit more discussion of, what are we going to do for school? So again, as I'm learning branding and marketing and how we can bring in teachers, I'm very fortunate to work for a superintendent, Dr. Flushi, who who's so collaborative and so open and so open to listing ideas. I'm having conversations going, okay, hey, this is what I'm learning on branding and marketing. How does this fit into the district as a whole? Mm-hmm. And so for about a year, we really started having those conversations of, okay, okay, how are we effectively branding and, and marketing ourselves as a district for not only teachers, but students? And uh, how are we staying engaged with our alumni and, and things like that? So we started seeing all that come together. So I, I moved over to HR in uh, December of 2019. Okay. So within a couple months, now we have a pandemic and now all of a sudden you've got, you know, hey, schools closed and we're, we're doing online. Um, and then when we started back, there was this option. Okay. Are you going to come back in person or are you going to come back online? Right. And so as I'm seeing all those things come together, you're seeing more options and you're with, with different campuses and transfers, but now you're even seeing the option of, am I going to do online or am I going to be in person? And so at the time, as all this was coming together, I just thought, Hey, I think it changes the way we do Things a little bit where we need to start looking and seeing what people in the in the and maybe in the business world are doing of hey uh, this is what I offer as a business uh, as opposed to these others this is this is my position this right. is what I can do we might need to start looking at some of those concepts of, of how do we set ourselves apart from our peers yeah yeah so like so if people are looking at options and they're ha- they're they're needing information to make a decision that's really a significant decision of where does my kid go to school yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that we are giving the information that's helpful. So we really just started exploring, okay, what does this look like for the district as a whole? I had an opportunity last summer to start moving into, I was doing HR, um, as well as what does that look like for the district as a whole? Mm-hmm. So I started doing marketing uh, for Canon ISD uh, this last summer. And then uh, this past fall, our communications coordinator uh, left the district, and so it just kind of made sense for me to move Rolled out of in. HR into that role. So uh, I I now do communications, marketing, uh, public relations, community relations, uh, emergency communications. Okay. Uh, so kind of all those things just sort of seem to, to mesh together really well. So 
that feels significant to me because I'm, you know, I, I'm also in communications. I know mm -hmm. people that are in similar roles for other school districts. They often come out of the media world or they uh -huh. come from, you know, journalism world or something like that. And that's not what you're trained in. I mean, you no. were trained as a teacher and yeah. you've, you've kind of yeah. accumulated these skills, you know, over the past yeah. few years. Yeah. So what the, the Matt Damon line, a couple of late fees in a library, in a library card, like that's, yeah. that's my yeah. training uh, has just been whatever, whatever I've been able to figure out. But what I've loved about it is that experience with the campus and to know that there's amazing things that happen in public education on the campuses, the opportunities for kids and, and the stories that you get of kids and successes that they have. But then you're also surrounded with just incredible people, mm -hmm. uh, with teachers and campus administrators. To be familiar with what happens on the campus has been so invaluable and I've loved uh, and I've seen this as an opportunity of I get to tell those stories. And so that, that has been a really exciting opportunity to get to do that. One of the, the things I wanted to ask you about, because I, I know this is a big story right now, is the new high school sure. uh, yeah. at Canyon. And, you know, honestly, the last new high school in Amarillo was Randall. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the last two new high schools in the area are, are in that school district. Mm -hmm. And I, I know when you're thinking about, you know, transfers and competition and how kids are going to decide what school to go to yeah. or how their parents think about that. I know that's a big part of the story because right. it will peel off you know, kids who may have been otherwise going to Randall. And, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement around it. And I yep. wonder just kind of how you look at it from your perspective. Yeah. So when I moved up here and, and, and started in Canyon ISD was in 2015. So much of the conversation is, gosh, we don't have room. Yeah. We, we don't have space. We're, we're busting at the seams at Randall High School. All the new Park. construction is just being funneled into yeah, Randall. Like, what do we do with that growth? And then now all of a sudden we, we the, so we went in through a bond process and built two new elementary schools. Part of that process, so Randall High School right now is two buildings. Mm -hmm. You have Randall West uh, and then Randall East, which actually was a junior high. Um, and so that East campus is now being has been renovated and next year will open into a, a junior high. And then you're building West Plains High School. So it's like all of a sudden in 2015, it's we don't have room. Now all of a sudden we have plenty of room. Right. Let's make sure that people... We, we want to fill these buildings and have let people know what's happening. And, and so it's been really fun. Like actually when I leave uh, this podcast, I'm going back to work with our principals to talk about how do we really communicate and get that positive messaging out and make sure our community knows, okay, this is, here's West Plains High School. Here's Randall High School. This is what we're doing. These are the things we want to celebrate, the things we want our community to, to know about. One of the things to, to kind of close up this section I just wanted to ask is, you know, you've lived in a bunch of different places. You've mm -hmm. worked in a bunch of different school districts. You know, over the past few years living here, now that you are, are fully immersed, mm -hmm. what are some things you've come to appreciate about this area? You know, initially you talked about the commute and, yeah. and, and how long it takes to get places. But are there other maybe intangibles, you know, that you've seen? This is kind of unique to to the panhandle or to this area? I feel like I'm repeating myself from earlier, but there's just something about, there are so many opportunities here that are so accessible. I, I love the outdoors. My family loves to be outside and hike and uh, we're very active. And so we have Palladero Canyon right there. I mean, that's that's incredible. But then you look at uh, the sod poodles downtown. You're so close to get to go to the sod poodles on, on, on one night. But then you also have this incredible arts community. You look at what Amber Little Theater is doing and uh, you look at the fine arts programs in Canyon, how successful they are and recognized across the state. And the the diverse amount of options that are here are so much fun. And, and everything is quality. There's just so many options here that relate to really anybody's interest. And it's going to be done well. At the same time, 
matched with a very hospitable, close-knit, close community. Everywhere you go, you you, you know somebody, mm-hmm. and there's a warm, welcoming face. And and that's what I've loved to, to, to get to go to various, you know, the, the circles are always overlapping. Yeah, yeah. I think is what's really fun. Hey, Amarillo is supported this week by Blue Handle Publishing, a locally owned indie publisher designed to empower authors, including local authors like Charles D'Amico and Andrew Brandt. Blue Handle includes its Book Puma editing services platform and has just recently launched Book Puma Online, which features online courses taught by award-winning authors, editors, and industry professionals. To learn more, visit bookpumaonline.com and for 50% off its courses, use the discount code HEYAMARELLO50. That's HEYAMARELLO50 for 50% off courses at Book Puma Online. Okay, I'm back with John Forbes. John, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes a peyote fan that belonged to Quanta Parker, the famous Comanche chief. He used it in the religious peyote ceremony to brush smoke around from the cedar fires. Uh, but his his fan actually includes exotic parrot feathers, and I would like to know the story of how Quanta Parker got those feathers living in, up here in the Panhandle and Oklahoma and stuff. But uh, you can learn more about that. You can actually see it at panhandleplains.org. Okay. And their, and their new steam exhibit. They've got a new the steam, new steam exhibit yeah, is yeah, also, yeah. yeah and, and I know that Canyon will probably be making use of that is on a regular right basis. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Super excited about that. Uh, it's a really cool space. I was there yeah. for the opening of it. Um, and yeah, everybody's excited about it. Yeah. Really excited for them. They do a great job there. Okay, so what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? Being involved in the school district, I know you've been right in the middle of sure. all of those conversations. Gosh, there are so many things to talk about with the pandemic. But I think what I want to really really just highlight is how incredible our teachers have been. Mm-hmm. I always felt like as an educator uh, that I was valued and that the community really appreciated what, what I did. I, I've always felt support from whatever community I've been in. But I think when when the pandemic came and, and schools closed, mm-hmm. I think the community, even we all, even more so, yeah. went, wow, this is... Mom and dad were at the kitchen table yeah. trying to be teachers. Or and we're trying to kids. support mom and dad. How, yeah. can we, how are we even more supportive? And to get to talk with teachers when that happened, to hear how heartbroken they were that they didn't have the kid, They didn't have their kids right there with them. Right. I can't brag on our teachers enough. Uh, of the job that they did. I was in human resources at the time when, when, when the schools closed and we're looking at coming back and what's that going to mean? Is that, what does quarantine look like? What does this look like? Okay, we're going to, you know, here's masks, here's this, here's that. I mean, there are so many things that were, were up in the air that we were trying to figure out. So much of that, really, the, the teachers, the ones that, that were kind of on the I, I don't, front lines, I, I don't know if that's the right term to use more, you know. No, but that school, burden, but the burden yeah. is on the teachers to enforce everything. Yeah. And to, they're the they're closest ones to ensure mm-hmm. the safety of the kids. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're the ones that are in, in, in a, in a room with this many other kids and, you know, whatever you think or feel or your comfort is with a mask or what, this is what we're, ha- what we need you to do. Yeah. And you heard so little complaining. Hmm. I heard so much we're just so excited to be back in the building with our kids and whatever that means, if we need to, if that's a mask, if that's, we need to clean extra, we need to do this. There was just this over and above willingness to do whatever it meant to get to be with kids. Hmm. And I just, I can't brag on our teachers, our custodians, our, our maintenance people that, that were able to 
able for kids to be back in buildings, to be with their teachers and, and for the community to, to be able to go back to work and do things. I think there's just been this sense that we want some normalcy back. Yeah. The, the work that we saw the people on our campuses do, any opportunity that I get to brag on and celebrate teachers and, and campus custodians and campus maintenance. I mean, they, they really are an incredible group of people. And we saw so much and so much just we're so excited to have kids back in the buildings. When a group of people has that kind of mindset and yeah. outlook, I mean, you just can't you can't say enough about them. Okay, other than wind, what does this area have too much of? I don't know what the term is here. Maybe downselling or here. here's where I'm going with it. I'm an outsider. I, mm-hmm. I moved to Amarillo from, I've been in the Dallas area. And you come and maybe somebody who's been here the whole life, they love it here. There's a lot of pride, but it's like, oh, but it, we don't, but it's not Dallas. It's not this. Yeah. No, it's it's incredible. It's so much fun. And so I think I think you hear a lot of pride in the community, but uh, people you know, who who come out and apologize for Amarillo like, unprompted. Oh, but it's flat, or it's yeah. there, it's here, it's there. It's there. You're not close to to this. Or, How you like that wind? How huh? the wind? And it's like no, no, no. You have four seasons. You you get snow. You know, once a month, your kids get to go out and play in the snow. You're, you're five hours from the mountains. You're. I mean, there is so much that is so fun about this community. Like. Don't don't feel like you need to apologize for anything. Yes, yeah. this is a great community. This is so much fun, and so I don't think you hear a lot of negativity towards towards the community. But it, but uh, maybe somebody from the area to go, hey, it's okay to feel really really yeah. excited about the and really upsell how great this place is because it's true. It really is. Okay, I like that. Yeah. What does this area not have enough of? High schools. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, more high uh, schools. You're fixing it. So. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we're working on that. Um, patios. So we, okay. okay, so I, we love being outside, uh, love uh, something that's so neat about the weather here. I've been in Dallas, I've been in Bryan, where in the summertime, it doesn't it, cool off. Stifling. Yeah. It's just always hot. Seven, but here, seven o'clock at night in the middle of summer, all of a sudden it's cool, it's nice. And so we, we love to be outside. So any place in town that has a, has a good patio, we're there. Okay. And there's some good ones. There's some great ones here. Don't get me wrong. But they're pretty recent. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. something that restaurants, as they're building out, have started thinking about and yeah. prioritizing. But that was not always the case. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if if anybody's considering, do we add a patio onto the restaurant or not, do it. Do it. Because yeah. we, we, we just, I want to continue to see that, to see that grow. Okay. So yeah. you've you've done a lot of recruiting for, for teachers yeah. outside this area. How do you describe Emerald and Canyon to them when you're you're talking to them? Kind of my my selling point for Canon ISD is that happy medium. It's the the the, the large district opportunities, small town feel. You've got kind of the same thing of, of mid size Amarillo Canyon, okay. where there are the opportunities of of a large city that are accessible. And I always say, hey, you, you know, there's so many great things on I forty, so I'm not knocking I forty, but get off I forty. Yeah, go to downtown Amarillo. Go go to go to downtown Canyon. Go go spend some time on the square and see you know really get that feel of the local the local restaurants, the local coffee shops, all those those local things. Go drive through Wolf and go drive through Olson and see like okay the big trees, the brick the brick streets. I mean mm-hmm. this is a there's so many really neat fun things about this area that have just this really fun character and and hospitable tight knit community. And you have four seasons, you have mm-hmm. cool nights and cool mornings, and we love it. I really do. I love everything about Amarillo. You uh, you just mentioned a couple of neighborhoods. What's your favorite neighborhood in the area? It's kind of a tie between Wolfland and Olson. Okay. So I live in Olson, love the community, 
love the big trees. Our, our house was built in 1950, so mm-hmm. it just has this fun character, and that's that whole one of my favorite neighborhoods. The architecture there is just so distinct, so oh, different yeah. from a lot of places. Real mid-century modern, some of those houses. There's some terrain. Yeah, there's, there's a little a, bit of hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So love that. Uh, my in-laws are in Wolfland, and and uh, on two moves that we've done when we moved up here, and then also we moved. Uh, uh, when we were waiting to move into our house in Olson, we we lived with them. Okay. And uh, both times during the summer. And so we got to just the, you know, put the kids down and go walk the, the Wolfland neighborhood at, you know, 7 30, 8 o'clock at night at school. I mean, you, you just don't do that in, in, in other places. I yeah. Just, but, I mean, you can't beat it. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? I don't know if we have one restaurant that we always go to. Okay. We love local. We want to try anything out that's local, anything that has some character to it. One that we, that we have found ourselves going back the most to, we love a good brunch, is Scratch Bakery. Oh, uh, yeah. Downtown. Yep. Love Scratch Bakery. Uh, got to give a shout out next door. You've got uh, Sunday's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, great podcast interview. Uh, Ronnie was was one of my parents uh, when, when, I, when I was a principal. Okay. So, it, so he was, I remember him coming into the office talking about you know, hey, we're this is where we are at the building, and so it's been really neat to see his his restaurant come out. Uh, Punjabi Affair is one of our yeah. favorites. Yeah. Uh, again, neat patio, really really unique, but amazing food. So I know I cheated on that when I gave you a lot there, but that, that's fine. Anything local, I agree with all those. So yeah, I, I'll allow it. Um, what's your favorite local coffee shop? Got to go with Palace. Uh, we've always loved Palace. Uh, uh, love the new Georgia mm-hmm. location because again, I mean, just you can go sit on that 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 patio and. Two Canyon ISD grads, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, great people. Always love going to Palace. Okay, and you mentioned Paladura Canyon a couple of times. When was the last time you actually went there? So we have not been since this last fall. Okay. We, we were going to go uh, a couple weekends ago. We weren't able to, to, to make it to, to Paladura Canyon, uh, but we've, we've got the, 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 the yearly membership, okay. so we're out there quite a bit. We love Paladura Canyon. But one thing that we've really started doing more of is, uh, so we live in Olson. There's the Ninth Street Trails, right? Which over are by Metapark. fairly new. Yeah, fairly new, right by our house. Are great. I mean, to take the uh, we, we've got young kids, and so to drive mm-hmm. just a few minutes, go walk the trails uh, over there is fantastic. Buff Trails, uh, right by Canyon ISD Stadium, right. Really fun uh, mountain biking trails over there, and some really kid friendly trails. So uh, I don't want to take away from Powder Canyon. We love Powder Canyon, but there's also some really neat options. You get some of that nature, town. yeah, yeah, that you can drive just a few minutes and. And so all those are more of those, yeah. The product of Chris Podzimny and his group, and he's also a former guest on the podcast. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. so perfect, John. That concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So, what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Here's really what I would love to plug: is we, uh, uh, like what I've talked about, we've 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 adopted uh we've also been really involved in foster care so we we have a little three-year-old that we're fostering right now okay uh we've we've fostered two other uh newborns uh, prior to this little guy um, are you still working through those diapers that you got or have you exhausted that supply man we you know <laughs> do you need Canyon, another Canyon, another diaper giveaway you know Canyon junior has set us up for a year but yeah since then we've we pretty well burned through them but i've all you know uh, any school I've been at, they've always found a way to take care of us. But yeah, you know, we will never turn down diapers. So if <laughs> anybody wants to mail some diapers, we'll take yeah. them. I would really love to plug foster care. I mean, it is a, a, a huge, it's always a huge need in a community. We've loved getting to be involved in that and, and, and to be able to foster and provide a home for a kid. Uh, the, the, the kid that we have, the, the little guy we have right now, was, was removed from his home at, at the age of two. Uh, and we are his seventh spot to be in a oh, year. Wow. And so to be able to provide uh, a safe home and a, and a stable environment for 
a kid is 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 just what is what our calling is mm-hmm. uh, us as an indi- individual family. Uh, but we we've had an opportunity to get to answer a lot of questions and people ask us questions. Hey, talk to us about foster care. What does that look like? Or we've thought about it. Anytime we get a chance to talk about this, there are so many options within foster care. We would love to adopt. So we've gone into foster care looking for a foster to adopt placement. Uh, but then there's there are families that say hey, we're not looking to adopt, but we would our house would be open for a week or two if we needed somebody. You know, a little guy needed a, a temporary placement. There is a there's a huge need for what's called respite care. So okay. if if uh, if my wife and I we wanted to go out of town, we can't just drop the foster kid off with the grandparents. You know, right? You've got to have. Uh, somebody who's gone through the process to be yeah, there's all kinds of background checks yeah. that take place. Yeah, that's an interest to somebody of yeah, we would be open, you know, for a, a long weekend to have a, uh, somebody come stay with us so the foster family could go, you know, uh, go travel or go mm-hmm. on a vacation or something like that. Even down to babysitting, yeah, I would, I would go get lot, you know, to take whatever kind of training to even just babysit for a, and support a foster family. Uh, donations, so working with local agencies of hey, how can we uh, provide diapers or what needs do we have. Um, uh, Suitcases is a big one in the foster world. You know, uh, for a kid to go be removed from a home and and all that is available are, are lawn and leaf trash bags. Like, what yeah, is that communicated yeah. as a kid? Like, I'm being removed from a home. My stuff's grab being my put bag. in a trash yeah. bag. Yeah. You know, like even sometimes local agencies are looking for suitcases so that, you know, if they need to, to move move a child, like we can give them the dignity of their stuff being in a suitcase. I would say anything in that avenue, there's always a need. And so I would would love for our community just to, to really outpour of, Hey, how can we take care of, of kids in our community that have a need of a home, uh, or, or families that are fostering, how can we support them? So Amarillo Angels is a great agency, yeah. a world for children, a world for children is who, is who we're with. Those are great, great organizations. Um, but really at the end of the day is I would just encourage us, anybody who's listening to, to find what, what is it? What does your involvement look like? Do something that, that makes you, you got to roll up your sleeves a little bit. Maybe do something that in this moment you might feel a little uncomfortable doing, uh, but approach it with humility and a willingness to listen and learn and see how can I involve myself in something in this community that makes an impact mm-hmm. on somebody. So our avenue has been foster care, but there's so many, so many opportunities in this community and, and so many good organizations of people that are trying to make this, you know, continue to improve uh, our area and make a difference in, in people's lives. Find that whatever that is for for you as an individual or family, find that and and jump in. So that's what I would that's what I would plug. All right, that's that's a good plug, good word, John Forbes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate hey, it. Thanks for the opportunity. Is I've listened to you for a couple of years now, so it's uh, it's it's fun to be on the other side of the table. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to John for the interview and to my sponsors, Lazy Boy Home Furnishings, Blue Handle Publishing, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That helps other people find the show. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you, so thank you for listening. And also because of the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Barbara and Jim Witten, and Jess Heredia. This has been episode 235. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.